Can you hear me? Yeah. If I can cool. prop this up here. All right, perfect. Okay, so how's everything over there? It's good. Yeah, so I'm in Southern California. Um, good place to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so at the college I work at, too, I'm on a sabbatical. So they give you like a semester to do independent research, which is kind of fun. So I'm not at the college this one semester, uh, which is cool because then I get to dive into some some different things. That's why I'm really kind of looking into a lot of the speed element right now with my project. That's cool. That's cool. So, like, first of all, I can introduce yourself for the coaches in Taiwan. Yeah. So my name is Matt Hank. I'm a strength and conditioning coach at uh, Santa Monica College. It's in Southern California. So my main responsibility is to uh, be the head performance coach for all the athletic teams on our campus. All right. So we have a lot of the kind of traditional sports of football and soccer, basketball, uh, volleyball, tennis, track, all the, you know, just a lot of the kind of, again, traditional types of sports that we're in charge of. And then I teach as well. So I do some different kinesiology type of courses. And that's my main responsibility. So I've been in the, this, it's a junior college. I've been in this specific area for, I think, like 13 or 14 years now. And then before that, I had lots of different settings, uh, other colleges, professional, independent. So, yeah, been been coaching athletes for like almost maybe 19, 20 years now. Started in grad school as a graduate assistant strength coach. So if I kind of count those years, that's how long I've been in the game. Cool. So I read a lot of your like Instagram post and heard the podcast you did. And main thing, the first thing I want to ask is like, uh, most of the like uh, strength coach or like performance coach, they talk about like sprinting, especially acceleration, do mm -hmm. like piston like at the beginning of the few steps, right? Mm -hmm. And your your way to like see through like acceleration is kind of like different, right? Yeah, I'd say so now. Um, so, yeah, so I mean, yeah. Oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So I like, can talk about like how like how would you like see the acceleration phase yeah um well i mean i would start with saying that i was taught a very uh traditional approach in terms of you know formal education in college you don't go over speed that much let's be honest and kind of in biomechanics class you cover some different elements um mostly like force and acceleration velocity stuff but not mechanics of sprinting um and then even through coaching education of like clinics and workshops and then like USA track and field certification, that's what was taught was piston like action, punch down, punch down. And, and then if you started really analyzing, you go well, like, well, a piston is in a cylinder, so it can only go within that cylinder, right? Like I don't, I'm not even a car guy much, but I know that much like a piston's up and down in a cylinder, but yet we want our leg to have rotation. Okay, like our hip goes about rotation, like it's a ball and socket joint. It's not just literally punching down and back, punching up during yeah. acceleration. Yeah. There's a there's a backside movement, there's a frontside movement. So we think of it more as like a circle or like wheels. And then if you think of it like wheels, then the piston action doesn't really make sense. Um, so I think that's the biggest difference of how I started to view things more recently, maybe like in the last four or five years is that 
I want to get my wheels spinning. And then that makes sense for the athletes too, because they're going to visualize these things. They can visualize punching up and down piston, but that's not the technique I want anymore. I want it more of picking the foot up, get the wheels spinning as fast as I can, where they're leaning out in front, their hip gets out over their, um, the ball of the foot that's on the ground, that's anchored into the ground. And that's kind of the action that I want to see uh, based on that analogy of, again, like more of a the bigger wheels, the bigger wheels as you get going down, let's say the track or down the football field or soccer field or whatever. So that's how I would view acceleration now um, as opposed to how I used to and how most people do, for sure. So how, then how, then what was the difference between like ex acceleration and max velocity? That's the thing. And then there's not as much of a difference with the mechanics. Obviously there's, you know, you're more, you're more upright. You're, you're not in these crouched positions. You're not leaning forward as much with max velocity, but I'm talking about like, if you look at the hip itself and the leg as a cycle, then, then you don't have to think of it as being that different because you're thinking like, Oh, smaller, quicker wheels for acceleration. Now just bigger wheels. When you get the max velocity, instead of like a whole different, like, here's acceleration, here's max velocity. They're so different. And you're trying to teach the athletes like all these completely different strategies. It's like, no, there's a lot of similarities between the two. And then that actually makes your job easier too. Um, so like one thing that I do with max or acceleration and max velocity is the idea of like not punching down, but getting your foot off the ground quick. And then the cycle is going to happen almost automatically because I'm getting my foot down. So there's no feet in the air. I have no sense of stability. So I got to get that next foot down quick. Right. Instead of having to punch the ground and, you know, create force, as people would say, you're going to create force automatically if you're going down a track. Right. That's, that's regardless. If you increase speed, the force is going to the especially the vertical ground reaction forces are going to going to increase proportionally to that. So I know I'm kind of going fast here, but I would say that's the cool part is once you have a a method and a model where they can relate to acceleration and max velocity, then again, it's just so much easier. Like now just take my sprints further. Now make my wheels bigger. Oh, I'm going to make my wheels bigger um, with the same mechanics. I'm still going to pick my foot up and get the, the cycle is going to happen from the picking the foot up versus the jump being punching down. So if that makes but, sense, kind of. Okay. So then how, then does that change like the people, how we view like, the max velocity since like there's a lot of coaches talk about like front side mechanic versus like back side mechanic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think it's just how you want to look at it really. Like I'll still um, look at the leg cycle. That's kind of like what we're talking about right now when we say front side mechanic. So we're looking at mostly the leg. We're not really looking at the trunk and the arms right now, which we could, but let's say we're looking at the legs. I would think of it as like a big cycle, like a circle. So a wheel, so if I think of it like as a wheel, I got to work at the back side of the wheel. I got to work at the top side of the wheel. I got to work at the front side of the wheel. I got to work at the bottom side of the wheel, right? Most coaches are doing what? Only front side of the wheel. So yeah. They have no strategy. They have no mechanism for backside. Most of them don't, okay? Uh, and then when I say the bottom of the wheel, that's the foot interacting with the ground. Most people just say punch down and back, punch the ground, punch down and back. That's their only strategy. So fine. So most coaches have two strategies. Front side, attack, foot, punch down and back. And that's it. Okay. So that's very limited um, from what I'm starting to realize and understand where I can start to enhance the top of the wheel. It's going to enhance the front side of the wheel. The bottom of the wheel has to do with the foot. I got to anchor my foot into the ground. My shin comes over the top. My pelvis comes over the top. <clears throat> but a lot of people aren't 
speaking in that kind of language for some reason. They're just thinking about attack the thigh down and the foot into the ground and you're good. So it's, it's fairly limited in my opinion. It's probably because they want like, if, if we hit the ground like hard, there's going to be much more air time, right? And they're going yeah. to have like good switches. Yeah, but um, just attacking down isn't going to guarantee that you're going to have the right uh, kind of leverage in terms of like, say, this is my foot anchoring the ball, the foot, the shin coming up over the top. Um, they're missing that element. It's just saying blindly, like throw darts at a dartboard is what it is. Like you're not like I could throw darts at a dartboard with my eyes closed. And I might hit it. That's cool. And I could throw it as hard as I want. Bah! And I might hit it harder. But is that the mechanics I want? Am I getting into the right cycle? Am I initiating the switch correctly to time it? So it's more of a timing issue um, and a sequencing issue for me nowadays versus just to punch the ground harder. Because we've seen it. Like I train young kids too. That's where people get really kind of weirded out where they say, oh, the best sprinters in the world are producing like, you know, five times body weight at max velocity and things like that. And I'm like, well, how about these nine-year-olds that I work with? Like my son, he plays football. Now he's 11, but I've been training his football team since they were eight. What about the fastest eight-year-old? How come that eight-year-old is faster than his buddy? You're trying to tell me he goes into the weight room to produce more force? Hell no. You're wrong, dog. That's not true. So why? Because why? And then I actually watch him. I'm like, oh, my gosh, his switch is faster. He is in a better position with his upper body. And his arms do different things than these, the slow kids. And then I'm like, oh, what do you know? Let's look at Christian Coleman. And let's look at Jacobs. And, oh, they're doing the same things. They're doing things that are different than their slower competitors. And it's not just punching the ground harder because you can't see that. You'd have to have force plates. So they're doing something that you can visually see that's a little different. So um, I think it's just a different, like, perspective again. Like, you know, people should have different types of lenses when they – evaluate or view movement and it's the same with sprinting like there's different ways you can look at sprinting and um, this is just a different type of way of looking at it not so force driven but about like how quick your switches happen and the timing of the switch and the sequence of if the switch leads to the foot hitting here where's the rest of your body when your foot hits is it behind or is it in front of the leg on the switch what's happening with the switch when your foot hits the ground so i think that's more of the philosophy or the direction i'm going is um the position you're in and the timing and the sequencing of the positioning. Yeah. So is it kind of like uh, a Darren bar, like falling? Yeah, but he does more than falling for sure. Um, yeah, no, I've been lucky that I've been able to connect with the Darian um, a lot here. And um, he's from California too, which makes it easier. So, you know, being able to go to a bunch of his clinics and just having access to communicating with him and his knowledge and then yeah without a doubt that's an influence all of his philosophies and methods for sure but i don't think it's just falling because it's it's again about the timing the sequence the fall is going to happen naturally which is the cool part let's not interrupt the fall so that's part of it too like don't just fall but like use the fall to your benefit <laughs> that's the biggest difference cool yeah. so yeah. how about if we like put this into like uh, change of direction. How would you change? How would you change the way you train? Change direction. Yeah, that's a lot of changes there. <laughs> Changing, yeah. Um, so I mean, similar type of concepts. Like, if I'm going to change direction, you're probably going to enter a movement with some velocity. You're probably going to have some type of deceleration to get in a good position, and then you're going to have 
um, you're going to reaccelerate. So then you're going to improve your velocity. You're going to reaccelerate again out of that cut. So the acceleration portion is the same for me. You still got to get your switches down. And that's what you see in some of the best athletes when they really start to break down their film is that they'll get into these plants and these cuts. And then it looks exactly like acceleration coming out of the blocks almost. You know, maybe not their torso position because they have a ball in their hand or a stick in their hand or they're catching a football. But in terms of like their leg and foot mechanics coming out of the cut looks like acceleration. Excuse me. Like their switch is the same. Um, they're getting that torso lean. Okay. So then I don't really have to address much of that component, how you get out of the cut, out of the break. Because I'm already doing a lot of that with the acceleration mechanics. That's the cool part. So then what do you do for the, for the deceleration? Well, then for me... Okay, let me take a step back. What I used to do, and because I was taught this, and most of us were taught this, do a lot of like closed agility drills. Run, sprint and stop. Sprint, stop. Sprint, stop with your left foot. Sprint, stop with your left, your right foot. Both feet, bah, and just stick it. Sprint, stick. And I'm like, huh, that looks less and less like sport the more we keep doing these drills. So I'm like, how much correspondence does that have and carry over to the actual sport? And I started evaluating all these sports, right? Like the pandemic was great in a sense that it gave me so much free time. That's all I did was like watch videos. <laughs> I'm on a sabbatical right now. All I do is research and watch videos. I get paid to do that right now. It's kind of crazy. And I'm like, nobody's doing a straight stick. So that gets back to the answer. I don't do any sprint stick anymore. It's sprint, drop my center of mass. I fold over. Um, if my shin's coming forward, like accelerating, then I got to stop it and reverse it because I don't want to accelerate anymore. I want to plant, but I could do it off of one leg. I could do it off of both legs. I could do it off my inside foot, my outside foot, but then I have to redirect my energy or my body to get into an acceleration position. So that's the biggest change is that I don't want to sprint, stop, go. I just want to maneuver myself. So that's the way I start to communicate with the athletes nowadays is, Change of direction is not about sprinting, stopping. I don't use the word stop, really. It's about redirecting now, right? Because if you're my opponent, I don't need to straight stop on you. I just need to get you to boom, and then I redirect my movement. That's all I need for most sports, right? Even some athletes like basketball is the example a lot of people give me. Well, they go to a straight stop when they play defense. Most of the time, they don't, by the way. They're getting into their defensive stance, boom, and they're popping off the ball, their foot straight to the like a slide position or straight to attack the offensive player, or then they flip their hips really quick. So those are the type of drills that I'm doing nowadays, really, where um, accelerate and redirect your energy, your flow, your body into a new position. Don't just stop and stick it. So I think that's one of the biggest differences these days. So how does it, like, change the way, like, you train your athlete in the weight room? Yeah, I mean, the weight room is tricky, too, because what I would do now is I view it more of a method or a system that's like accessory, complementary, where back in the day, you know, when I was first in this into this field, and like in the early 2000s, it was always and before that, before I got in the field, too. But when I first got into it, it was power cleans and back squats are going to be guaranteed to transfer to acceleration, change of direction. And I'm like, ah, that makes sense squatting looks similar to change of direction and i'm like no chance now no chance the speeds aren't the same the kinematics the kinetics aren't the same um so it still helps like i 100 so what i'm getting at is i just view the weight room a lot more as an accessory to the field um i have changed things for sure like i 
for me, um, squatting, for example, like we had a back squat with barbells. Now I, and then I went, nope, I'm going to only do front squat barbells. And then I was like, oh, even that, you know, my soccer athletes, front squatting with barbells, that's like, it's torture trying to teach them that. My football players even like, oh, they're supposed to be big and strong. They should be able to back squat with the barbell easily. I'm like, okay, why don't we do trap bar squat? And I know most people around the world are doing stuff like trap bars now and safety bots, safety squat bars, things like that. And then getting more to like unilateral positions. So that's where kind of getting back to your answer, I'm starting to get more into some like unilateral positions where I'm even like leaned over on my plant leg. So there's a bit of like a coiling action to my downside leg. Cause that's what you would see in change of direction um, or hitting a curve is you'd have a short side and a long side. So I do a lot of like split stance variations where I have a short side and a long side into my split stance to at least have some type of correspondence or carry over to the field of action, you know, but I still view it as more of a, an accessory movements nowadays where before, like I said, it was like, Oh, if I can back squat two, three times body weight guaranteed to be a better athlete. I'm like, I don't think you can make those guarantees anymore. Oh, shit. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. So, uh, does that mean, like, as a performance coach, you would rather, like, spend more time on the field, like, the, the, let them do, like, sprinting or, like, drills for, like, sprinting or max speed or change of direction instead of, like, what we just mentioned in the weight room? Yeah. I think, I mean, it'll depend on your position in sport like we have you know so we have a football team at our college the linemen do need to be able to generate sufficient amount of strength you know like internally to be able to resist force and then to also produce force to move the, to move the opponent so some of our bigger guys like that they need it um depending on the sport some athletes also just come in with like very little strength from high school um so I wouldn't want to take away a ton, but I might, yeah, shift more of my emphasis nowadays to being on the field and movement and flow of movement and mechanics and timing and sequencing of your acceleration and your max velocity. Yeah, that'd be ideal for me now it would be to shift some of the proportion of lifting to on-field movement, you know? But again, like I said, it'll depend for sure because there are, we're a junior college, so we get, you know, mostly like, um, 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds. And there's, a, there's a, definitely a lot of them that like didn't lift much in high school or very little. So they still need an element of strength to just be able to like stay on the court or stay on the field, to be honest with you, since they're going up against like grown men and women now. Um, so it's still a, it's like a balance still. Yeah. But if I had it my way, I would definitely start to get more and more of the overall training shifted to on field speed agility change of direction for sure. Cool. So, if you if you view the acceleration phase that different, like, then what are your thoughts on like training like uh, triple extension? Yeah, I mean triple extension again. Say it's in the weight room because that's kind of where we all first made this connection. We said, or at least this is again what I was taught. That's what I always tell people. This is what I was taught. I'll communicate that to everybody. I was taught like back squats, but then specifically like Olympic lifts, you're getting triple extension. So that has to carry over to things like jumping acceleration because you triple extend. And then people would take these photos, boop, right when you triple extend in um, an Olympic lift, like a power clean. And then they would take a photo of somebody coming out of the blocks and like, oh, it looks exactly the same. And I'm like, not even close anymore. It's literally not. Like 
first of all, Olympic weightlifters, if triple extension happens, it's a result, not an intention. Like, why would they want to stay in the air longer with 200 kilos in their hand? That's crazy. Makes zero sense. Let me just fully extend and get higher and higher. No, like, get under the bar. That's what you'd want to do. Same thing if you're a sprinter. Why would you want to get long, lengthen out, and just chill and hang out there in this triple extended position to take a beautiful photo? Look at I'm in this beautifully triple extended position. But, bro, you're slow. Your timing's off. Your switches are off. <laughs> you're not in a good position to hit your next two steps. Yeah, your first step looks really cool on Instagram, but your next three steps are trash, right? Because you're out of position. So, um, so we don't teach triple extension on on field performance or on court performance in terms of like our sprinting or change of direction. It's more of get off the ground. So when they try to get off the ground quick, the uh, triple extension really doesn't happen. Or if it did, it's not directly implied. That's the main difference. Like back in the day, it was jump out of your start to fully triple extend. Now it's like, hey, if you're extending, your, your leg might almost get into full extension maybe, but that's not your intention. Your intention is to get off the ground quick, to get off the blocks quick, to get into your cycle quicker. So hopefully that makes sense. It's like it might happen, but we're not going to train it intentionally on the field. In the weight room, yeah, you're going to probably – we'll do squats still, and we'll, like I said, and we'll still do power development exercises. So they will get into a fully extended position, uh, but it's not emphasized the way that I used to by any means with the athletes. So uh, then – how how would you train like get off the ground fast? Yeah, so to get off the ground fast, it's about manipulating your body, right? So like say you're in a two point stance uh, for any athlete, really, like because we train you know soccer, basketball, volleyball, football players with two point stance starts, like one foot's in front of the other, um, sprint drills. So that front foot, you got to drop the shin down, boop. You got to have the hips come over the top the torso leaning forward, that back foot's got to pop up, start your cycle. It's not, that's it. It's easy. That's all it is. <laughs> that, that back foot cycles quick, boom, it hits the ground, then your front foot picks up, and then, and then your wheels spin. That's the difference. Because, sure. because I think I know the next question, because everyone asks the same questions mostly. So if you don't jump out of it, what's the benefit? Well, let me reverse the question. What if you do jump out of it like everyone taught you? And then you'll see all these athletes all over the world, they're trying to jump and project. And this is the little story kind of analogy that I use. <clears throat> so there's like a fence, right? There's a fence here at the blocks. Why are so many athletes jumping over the fence? All you got to do is open the gate and go through the fence. So many athletes are like, oh, I'm going to jump over the fence. I'm like, so you're going to hang out in the air to get triple extension, to be in a bad position, and then you hit the ground, and then you're not timing the push-off, the propulsion of the next um, plant phase is not timed correctly. Why? Because I can see it because you drop into more dorsiflexion, you drop your hip down, so you collapse, so there's less stiffness for all, all the kind of the research gurus out there. They have less stiffness. You can visually see it. Um, instead, here's the gate. I'm going to open the gate and go through it. I'm going to spin right through it. Spin my wheels through the gate. It's kind of the analogy we use. So... Do you, do you, like, teach, like, uh, acceleration drills, like, A-series? No. No more A-series. Yeah. So, I used to do all that as well, again. I'm, I mean, I'm telling you, I was a very traditional U.S. American strength coach. So, they taught us to do 
Power cleans, back squats, bench press, A skips, um, all that stuff. And then the more I looked at it, it was like, A skips, okay. So you want me to stand tall, you want me to punch my thigh down while this foot's on the ground. That's not even the sequence you would be at. Like if this foot's on the ground and this foot's in front, that's not even your sequence of sprinting, but okay. Punch the ground, lift it with your hip flexor, punch the ground. So it's very robotic. There's, there's nothing fluid about it. There's not about timing. Um, also you're punching down. I've never seen somebody run fast just punching down. Like you have to go somewhere, yeah? Don't you want to go horizontally? Um, so then people will start to say, well, let's get our punch to go down and back. You still are missing the concept. You're, you're getting your foot anchored into the ground so that you can rotate or pivot over that anchor point. So then, it, then what you start to do is you look at A skips and marches and Bs and anything like that, switches, boom booms, whatever kind of drill you're going to call it. And then you start to see that there's very little correspondence to actual sprinting. So I did a whole kind of um, YouTube or Instagram video on that too, talking about most of the A skip doesn't correspond. There's a little bit that does. Yeah, a little bit, but like keeping your hips completely neutral. No, your hips oscillate in space. Why would you like to lock your hips up? Keeping your spine completely neutral makes no sense. Your spine manipulates in space in the frontal plane, the transverse plane. Why would you do A skips and tell your athletes to lock their spine in, lock their pelvis in? Um, well, that's not what happens during actual movement on the field, you know? And then your foot interacting with the ground. That's not how your foot interacts with the ground. It doesn't just pop down. No, it hits, shin drops over the top, you anchor on the ball of the foot, and the whole sequence happens. But that does not happen with A skips and all those types of drills for the, for the most part. You so, mentioned like, sh yeah, you mentioned like shin drop. Does that mean like if, if we have the time to like let, let the shin drop, does that mean the foot is on the ground like more time? There's like the foot is on the ground, yeah. Yeah, no, that's what people think too. They think, oh my gosh, if your shin's dropping, that means you're slower. And I'm going, like, have you ever watched video? Like, it's free. YouTube's free, dog. All you got to do is type in Marcel Jacobs, like Christian Colt, like you just, Usain Bolt. I mean, it's free. It's for you guys out there. No, of course, of course you're not going to be on the ground longer. That doesn't make any sense. They're just faster at um, mechanically going through their leverages. That's the main difference. But why are they faster? The timing and the sequencing. Not because they're punching the ground harder, but they can move their body more efficiently. They're in a position to move their body more efficiently. I mean, come on. We all know this. Take any sport in the world. Take baseball. If you're in a bad position, you're not going to have the same exit velocity when you when the ball comes off the bat, you're not going to be able to get to the inside pitch. I mean, take any sport in the world and we know mechanics are important. So my question to people is why, when it comes to sprinting, have we decided to say mechanics and timing doesn't matter yet? It matters for tennis. It matters for volleyball. It matters for shooting a free throw, like the timing of your release in basketball. It matters how you strike the ball in soccer, any sport in the world, name it. Timing and sequence matters. But now all of a sudden for sprinting, it doesn't matter. That makes no sense. Like, of course it matters. <laughs> but no, we think it's just punch the ground as hard as you can. And it's like, huh? That's kind of weird to think that, you know, and that's one of the biggest things that kind of Darian brought to my attention back in the day. It was like, how could it not matter? You know, of course it does. So yeah, that's where I'm at now with kind of my thought process and concepts at least. Yeah. So does it, does, does that happen like naturally or you have to like, just like what was just said, do you have to like train it? Yeah. So then my, that would be the same question I asked 
anything. What, I mean, what, what's your favorite sport? Or what sports do you like? Call it basketball. Okay, basketball. Do you have to train your ball handling skills? Yeah, of course. Okay. Do you have to train your jump shot on a daily basis? Yeah. All right, you answered the question. See what I'm saying? Sprinting is a skill. It's, it's a neuromuscular skill, right? So acceleration is a skill. Yeah, now some kids, and that's why I always use the word kids, because some kids literally, like at five, six years old, you go into these soccer, basketball, baseball fields, and you just see they're fast. and like, oh, my gosh. Somehow, I don't know how, it kind of got programmed into them. They know how to manipulate their body and move in space really well. And then they take it to high school, and they're still the fastest kid on the team. And then they get a Division One scholarship. Oh, and then they're, they're in the Olympic training trials. And then now they're in the Olympics. And that, but um, that's like the 1%. <laughs> Even they need to improve. The rest of us, 99%, we need to be working on mechanics all the time. Yeah. So if we view things for sprinting as a skill, and a skill has to do with neuro, neuromuscular sequencing, then, then we would all agree that you have to work on it and you have to train it just like you would a baseball player, boom, get in the cage or, you know, it, it doesn't matter what sport, any sport you pick, a volleyball player working on the timing of their spiking the ball, like the positioning of the shoulder, their torso. So that's how I like to look at it, just to relate to all the athletes when they ask me, you know, tennis players, should I really be working on my quickness and my speed technique? I'm like, well, do you work on your forehand and backhand in tennis in your practice sessions? Of course you do. So, <laughs> so uh, is it is it like then is it like easier for you to like teach sprinting, sprinting? Sorry, sprinting. Yeah, I think so now because um, we kind of made the cues and the strategies and um, the directions just a little more simplified and easier for me. So yeah, I would think so. Um, you know, a, a lot of people would disagree because they still think teaching to punch down is an easy thing to teach. And that's fine. I'm just saying pick your foot up. <laughs> You're telling people to punch and I'm telling them to pick up. It's still one for one. I'm not really like doing extra coaching or cueing. Um, you know, so and then there's different drills that I'll use. But I usually go right into a lot of like the speed itself instead of doing lots of drills, to be honest. So if I've already eliminated, like I don't do all the A's and the B's and the C's and the switches and the boom booms and the da da da. I don't do a lot of those drills anymore. We just get into sprinting and then I can manipulate the intensity. This is research, by the way. There's plenty of research on this. I can manipulate the intensity based on the distance they cover. So if they only cover five yards, bam, barely 60% at most of max velocity. Now I go further, they're higher into their max velocity percentages. So they're at a higher speed. So that's how I can manipulate what type of intensity of the drill. And then I can manipulate some type of constraint. I could worry about um, shin drop. I could worry about getting low or I could worry about arm mechanics, but I'll do it while they're doing the skill, not completely separated from the skill, like by doing drills. So the context is not exactly the same. So I try to get them close as I can to the context. And it's not sports-specific training. I'm just getting to the context of whatever skill that we're trying to work on. Cool. So go back to, like, speed and to, like, top-end speed. Is it, like, you, you mentioned, like, lift, uh, lift the leg, like, faster, right? It's part of it. It's, yeah, it's just yeah, getting instead the of, off the ground. <laughs> yeah. 
So instead of like punching down, lift the foot, lift, lift sorry, lift the foot faster. Lift. Does it mean Part like you're gonna drop, drop, let like let gravity do his thing? Um, I mean, no, gravity always comes into play. It's there no matter what. So gravity will always be there. So we don't need to um, use that as a crutch to be our, like our whole mechanism by any means. So that all, like gravity will be there, but it's how can I increase the cycle, like my wheels? How can I get my wheels to spin faster? So again, that's where I come back to. And I ask people, what are you going to do to increase? So there's a lot of research like thigh angular acceleration, which is just essentially your thigh moving through space, right? Fast. Right. It's, ro- it's a rotary component, like how quickly, how much torque and how fast you can produce that torque for your thigh. So my question would be to people like, how do you do that? How do you train that? And it's like, oh, we'll punch the leg down quicker. And I'm like, that's all you got. What about the backside? How do you get the, the leg to snap quicker? What about the top side? And then I'm like, <clears throat> excuse me. And then what about like, again, the foot interacting with the ground? That's a super important element there. <laughs> right. And that's how you're going to cover distance. Your foot's on the ground. What are you going to do when your foot's on the ground? It's very important. Um, so I think it kind of all plays together different parts of the wheel to enhance the speed of the wheel. Yeah, but you're not going to also, at the same time, you're not going to like drop deeper when you um, land on your stance phase just because of this technique. No, you're still in a like bent position in space. Boom, you hit the ground in a bent position, and then you can really take advantage of leveraging the system. Get it. Kind of sense, sort of. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. So that's like, that's like the all the question I have for today. All right. <laughs> Appreciate it for the time, man. Yeah, cool. Yeah, let me know. If you got other questions, reach out. Um, still posting stuff, obviously, on social media while I have this sabbatical. I got free time, so. <laughs> so if there's, like, coaches are interested in what we are talking today, where can they reach out to you? Yeah, so, I mean, I've had a website for a while that I've used to put different information on. It's just coachmatthank.com. So now I have a few different webinars that I'm putting on there. Uh, I make them super affordable just to deliver information to coaches athletes as well but they might not find it as applicable as the actual coach would and so i just you know like i said i already have a full-time job so i'm just putting this out here for people to access some of this information that some of these same kind of questions you're asking me a lot of other people ask the same questions so then it's there now so just go to coachmatthank.com and there's there's a variety of webinars that will be available in the next upcoming weeks and months for sure okay cool that's all appreciate it man Awesome, yeah. Thanks for having me. I've seen seen you had a lot of good guests on there, so keep it going. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe we can do a second episode, okay? Yeah, yeah. Reach out. Let me know. (laughs) Okay. Thanks. See you. Yeah, thanks so much. Bye, everyone. (laughs) Bye.